Well, this past week, I read an article about people in Japan that are so busy that they can't spend time with their family that you can go and you can, if you're in Japan and you're feeling lonely, rent a family. Now, some of you go, that sounds great. <laughs> like, open up a book, you can pick what you want, but you can rent a family. In Japan, uh, elderly Japanese who are isolated from their families and they're living a frantic pace of life, they can rent a family for a few hours or even a few days. You could call and ask for a son or a daughter or a grandchild, whatever relative you want, maybe one you haven't seen in years. Now, of course, the service isn't free, nor is it cheap. Uh, it costs three hours with your family could cost about $1,300 plus transportation. Some of you go, but it's worth it. <laughs> but the founder of this business in 1991, uh, he founded this business in 1991 as a businesswoman, and, and she was too busy to visit her mother. And so she decided to put this organization together. And she deemed it a success. Her observation was that the customers were not surprised. She said, what is common about our clients is that they are thirsty for human love. Now, I wonder how long it'll be till we have something like that in the United States where you can rent a family. But the truth is, is that all of us at one time or another have felt maybe isolated or left out or alone in our families. Well, last week we kicked off a new year with a series called Show Up, A Call to Everyday Faithfulness. And in this series, we, we talked about what it means to be a disciple as we started this off, someone who is faithful. And our definition for a disciple, if you remember, this is someone who is following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and is committed to the mission of Jesus. And see, living a life as a disciple is all about living a life of faithfulness. So, of course, we had to define what does it mean to be faithful? What does the word faithfulness mean? And our definition that we're using for this series is our beliefs showing up in our behavior. The things that we believe, that we claim to profess, we're faithful when our beliefs match up to our behavior. And all of us can grow in our faithfulness. Now, my beliefs don't always show up in my behavior. And if you want to find out the truth of that, the people that you can ask that will give you the most accurate representation of that is my family and probably yours too. So we start off this new year asking the question last week, how can my beliefs show up more in what I do? That's what it means to grow as a disciple. That's the process of becoming more like Jesus. And last week we looked at the importance of consistency and we saw the faithfulness of God. And for the rest of this series, we're going to look at how we can live more consistent lives of faithfulness in three areas of our lives. And this week, we're going to look how we can live a life of faithfulness in our families. Now, most of us consider ourselves part of a family. Now, those families can look radically different from each other. We have what's called the traditional nuclear family, right? A husband, a wife, and kids. We have families that don't have children. We have families that are blended. We have grandparents raising grandchildren. We have brand new families being formed. We have families in this room that span generations. We have families that live down the street and families that live thousands of miles apart. We have families who share almost everything and families who rarely or never talk. 
When you think of family, you might have a lot of positive emotions and feelings that well up, or you might already be tensing up because your family situation is one that is full of anger, pain, or regret. Or if you're like me, you have a little bit of all of that. Now, last week, we spent some time in the second letter the Apostle Paul wrote to his young protege, Timothy. And this week, we're going to look at the first letter. So if you've got your Bible, we're going to be looking at 1 Timothy chapter 5. And Paul is writing to Timothy, who's a young pastor leading this church in Ephesus. And I want to give you some context for this text that we're going to read. Because at quick glance, it might not seem like it has anything to do with faithfulness and families. But I believe there's a principle at work here that gives us a challenge to live our lives of faithfulness out of the context of our families. But before we get into Paul's letter, let's look at another one of Paul's letter, what he has to say about Christian homes in another letter that he wrote in the book of Ephesians. So I'm going to read to you from the book of Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one has hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, there's a reason that Paul makes families the basis for all relationships. See, in the Jewish culture, there were strict rules on how families functioned and cared for each other. So you can be whoever you want to be for a short period of time outside of your home. But in our homes, in our families is where the masks come off. And who we are is truly experienced by the people who live with us every day. So what Paul is asking of people who love God and live as his children is to live their lives of faithfulness to the Lord in such a way that it permeates every interaction they have, even the people that they know best. And our relationship with God should produce a faithfulness that comes out even when we're at home, when we're instructing or correcting our children, when we're upset with our spouse, when we're taking care of our aging parents, when we're taking care of the daily tasks of maintaining our house and the people who live in it. So what does Paul have to say about our families? See, this is Paul's expectations for Christian families so that with that in mind, that background of what Paul expects of families. Now let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 5 and what he has to say to Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. 
Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. See, right out of the gate, Paul's using the family structure to help Timothy navigate life in the church. He's using familiar examples of how to, to help explain to Timothy how he should treat people within his own church. So remember, Timothy is a young man, but he's leading a church, much like this one that's made up of many generations. They're young children, teenagers, the elderly, middle-aged. And notice that Paul doesn't tell Timothy to never rebuke or correct what that would mean, an older man, but to not do it sharply or harshly. Treat him with respect, even when the elderly person, the person older than him, is wrong. Even when you might need to correct him, Paul says, correct him as you would your own father. Show respect. Now, someone who entered ministry right out of college, I've had to face this before. Now, let's be clear, not often, but there were times when I was a young pastor and those I was leading sometimes needed correction. And there were times that I believed I handled those situations in an honoring way. And there were times where I didn't. Now that I'm older, I can find myself on the receiving end of that. Paul's point to Timothy is that, to, and to all of us, is that we should treat those who we serve and we lead as our family. So then, of course, the question we face is, how do we treat our family? Paul's already told us some of that we read in Ephesians. And that's the subtext of what Paul is saying here. The church is often called a family, and for good reason. There's a way that we demonstrate faithfulness to our family that grows out of our faithfulness to God a foundation for our faithfulness to God. He goes on in verse three. He says, give proper recognition or show respect to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice, to practice what they preach. Or your translation might say to live in godliness, to show godliness by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. But the widow who lives in pleasure is dead even while she lives. Give the people these instructions so that no one be open to blame Anyone who does not provide for his relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now, there's a lot going on in these passages. And Paul goes on more in this chapter and tells how we should determine who should get support, who do we really need to serve. We're not going to go into the details about how to care for widows, but I want us to see the subtext here. Those who are marginalized... Those who are in a situation that puts them in need, they matter to God. And if they matter to God, they should matter to us. There's several other passages that talk about God's care for the marginalized, for those that are in need. Deuteronomy chapter 10, 17. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. Later in Deuteronomy 24, do not deprive the foreigner or the fatherless of justice, or take the cloak of a widow as a pledge. 
Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. This is why I command you to do this. In Psalm 86, 5, God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. Isaiah chapter 117, learn to do good, seek justice, help the oppressed, defend the cause of orphans, fight for the rights of widows. Why am I sharing all these different scriptures? And what does this have to do with living a life of faithfulness in your family? See, God cares about the marginalized. This isn't just about widows and orphans. That's listed several times. He's not saying, just take care of them. Now, everybody else you can ignore. He's trying to make a point. You could substitute maybe those who aren't able to find a job or people who don't have adequate housing. I was reminded of that this morning as we gather in here in the room that's filled with warmth that most of us, I think all of us, had shelter last night, kept warm in this cold, and there are many who don't. Those who have been displaced or abandoned. God's saying, all of those in need, maybe those with special needs. Widows and orphans are mentioned a lot, but God is painting a picture of his faithfulness. You see, faithfulness to God is shown in faithfulness to others. Faithfulness to God is shown in faithfulness to others. Now, we here at Seymour Christian, we have a heart, a passion, a special love for those with special needs, those that often the world will marginalize. You could just as easily substitute what any of those scriptures that I read for widows and orphans for those with special needs. Most of you know that in February, next month, less than a month away, we're having a special needs prom here, Night to Shine. Sponsored by the Tim Tebow Foundation. And this is an amazing opportunity for us to show God's faithfulness to the least of these. To those who are often marginalized. To show the love and care of Jesus Christ. And just to give you an encouragement this morning, we've got a special video from Tim Tebow as he encourages us in that endeavor. Let's watch the screens. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Tim Tebow. And I first just want to say thank you so much for partnering with us for Night to Shine. Night to Shine is our favorite night of the year because there are so many special things that take place. There is partnerships of people coming together. There are so many people volunteering and serving. There are so many people celebrating God's image bearers. Every single king and queen, when they get crowned, they are celebrated, they are cheered for. And we want to say thank you so much for partnering with us for the 10th year of Night to Shine. We have been so blown away to see what God has done with Night to Shine. And part of that is by letting us partner with you so that we can celebrate every single king and queen in your area so that they know that they're an image bearer, they're loved, they're one of one, they're created in love, by love, and for love, and the God of this universe loves them and has a purpose and a plan for their life. So thank you for partnering with us. Thank you for loving every single king and queen, and thank you for being willing to act upon it so that we could come together to serve them and ultimately serve him. God bless you guys and look forward to February 9th. It's not too late to volunteer to be part of that great ministry. 
Uh, there's information on our website. If you go right there and click Night to Shine, you can find information on how you can register to volunteer for that. But here's a way that you can show love to the least of these, even if you're not able to come that evening. There's a QR code on this screen here. You can take out your phones, point your camera at it. It'll take you straight to an Amazon wish list. And this will give you an opportunity to purchase right there, and it'll send right to the church the items that we need uh, the gift bags that we have, the, the things that go into those gift bags to show those kings and queens the love of Jesus. There's so many ways that you can partner with us through that. So I encourage you, uh, even right now, to do that later on at home. Go to Amazon.com. If you type in on the search for the gift wish list, see more Christian, Night to Shine, it'll pop up there. But that's a way that you can partner with what God's doing to reach those who need it most. And so that's one of the ways that we see that families matter to God, that God is pro-family, living that way, treating each other like family, even those who might not be physically related to us. See, family was God's idea. In the beginning, God created man and woman and then said, be fruitful and multiply. And in doing that, God blessed, he actually ordained, he actually set up the family unit. See, God is the source of family. God must be the center of our families. A verse that many of us are familiar with from Joshua chapter 24. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, my family, we will serve the Lord. See, despite all the problems that we may experience in families, the families is the foundational institution of the world. So regardless of what sort of family you find yourself in today, how can you live a life of everyday faithfulness within that family? Now, I want to acknowledge that not every family has a family that's followed God faithfully. You might not have grown up in a family or maybe you're not currently part of a family that's honoring God. If you came from or in a home that has abuse of any kind or violence, know that that's not God's intent for your family. I stumbled across a study this week from Julie Hall in Psychology Today, and she published 12 rules of a dysfunctional family. Maybe some of these might resonate with you. Number one, acceptance is conditional. Number two, submission is required not given freely as the Bible instructs us. Number three, someone must be blamed for all problems. Does that ever happen in your family? Four, vulnerability is dangerous. Five, everyone must take sides. In a dysfunctional family, she said, there is never enough love and respect to go around. That's number six. Number seven, feelings are wrong. Number seven, or seven, feelings are wrong. Number eight, competition, not cooperation, rules the day. Number nine, appearances are more important than substance. Number 10, rage, anger is normal. 11, denial is rampant. And 12, there's no safety from blame and rage. That is no way for a family to function. Instead, we should follow what Paul tells us in Romans 12, verse 10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Gary Thomas, in his book, When to Walk Away, said that sometimes to follow in the footsteps of Jesus is to walk away from others or let them walk away from us. 
I understand that some of you might hear those 12 characteristics of a dysfunctional family and maybe more than one of those resonate with you because maybe you live in a home that wasn't safe or maybe you currently live in a home where you're experiencing those things. That was not God's intent. That's not what he means when he says to love and be faithful to your family. Many of you grew up in broken homes. I know I did. And the reality is that you don't get over it, right? But you can get through it. So let's ask this question this morning. How can you show up for your family, regardless of the situation your family is in? How can you show up for your family? You must be willing to shelve your selfishness. Put it on the shelf. Shelve your selfishness and serve love and humbly care for each other. Now, selfishness comes pretty easy for most of us. I know it comes naturally for me. Left to myself, I can easily go into my own world where my own desires, my wants, even my needs can matter more than those around me. Now, those at church, they might not see that in us, right? Those in our office, they might not see that selfishness, but selfishness often shows up first in our families. Parents, It might be tempting for you to skip your kids' events that you don't like. But being faithful to your family, shelving your selfishness means that you might do things that you don't enjoy. You might read that book for the hundredth time. How many of you remember that when when they were little? Yeah. Or watching that show over and over again. This past weekend, our family sat down and watched the Wiggles documentary. How many of you remember the Wiggles? Yeah? Our family was, I'm going to just put it this way, obsessed with the Wiggles. Now, truth be told, if I had not been a pastor, I think that would have been a good career for me to have been a Wiggle. So I enjoyed watching the Wiggles with my girls. But there were times, there were moments when they would want to watch it for the hundredth time that I was done But part of living in a family that's shelving selfishness is to not always think of my own needs. Kids, you might not want to help your little brother get ready for bed or drive your sibling to practice that might take away from your personal time. Or you might prefer to play a video game than help your dad in the garage, but shelve your selfishness. Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. Shelve your selfishness. Don't look to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Do something that's unexpected. Out of love for your family, serve them. Here's a way you can shelve your selfishness. Don't keep score. Don't keep score. Andy Stanley once shared that the real trouble in marriages, and I would add in families, kicks in and we start thinking that we're owed something. You do something for me, I'll do something for you. You got to go on that hunting trip, so I get to go to the spa. You got to go to the movie, so she gets to do this. Sure, it might seem right at first, but it's like a fair trade, right? If you try to keep things fair and even in your family, if you're keeping score, 
it's never going to work. Playing that balancing game you think will keep things even, but here's the problem with that. Keeping accurate score is tough. How do you measure the cost of things? Especially when people put different values on different things. What about the big ticket items? Like nursing a sick child. Or helping a family member through a health crisis. Or taking care of an aging parent. How does that compare? When your efforts go unnoticed or you don't get what you think is equal support, if you're keeping score, it builds resentment. And the scorecard doesn't just mess with your relationship. It creates a distance, a gap. It's like saying, we're good as long as I get this much. Or worse, I'm only in this for what I can get. So if you want to grow in faithfulness to your family, don't keep score. See, God never meant for our relationship to be transactional. When we look at Jesus' examples, we see a perfect example of selflessness. Jesus didn't expect repayment from those that he gave to. The only person we ever see Jesus taking from was his father, God. And the things that he took were his presence, his power, his peace, all things that were freely given in that relationship. We offer ourselves freely in the most intimate relationships out of love. In a family that is following God, there's a good chance that another family member will reciprocate that. When we give freely without keeping score, we receive often so much more than we ever gave. When we give with a zero balance at the end, love is the motivation. Not maybe getting something that you want in return. It's just love. And when we love God, having received the same kind of love for him, it teaches us how to do the same. So don't keep score. Another way we can shelve our selfishness in our families to grow in faithfulness to our families is to keep your promises. Parents, when you say you'll play that game with them later, do it. You might not be able to engage with them in the way they want to in that moment. But if you say you can't now, but you will later or tomorrow or after you're done with your workout or after you finish cleaning the garage, keep your promise. And for those of you who are kids still living at home or children still living at home, whether you're living with your parents still or not, the same applies to you. Keep your promises. If you're supposed to clean your room or unload the dishwasher or fold the laundry, do it. If you promise to call, that's a big one for me. Area I need to grow in. If you promise your parents, follow through, keep your promises. If you can't do it right then, but you say, I'll do it later, then do it later. Not when you feel like it, because guess what? For some things, that might never happen. How many people want to unload the dishwasher, right? When people want to put away their laundry. We can show faithfulness. We can show up in our families by keeping our promises. We can shelve selfishness by caring for our families. Offering care for our families, once again, without keeping score, without trying to keep things balanced. Jesus gave us a beautiful example of this in John chapter 19. In John chapter 19, Jesus said this. He was hanging on the cross, starting in verse 26. And in his greatest moment, what he needed more than anyone else has ever needed. He said this. 
that near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Jesus showed us in his moment when he needed most what it looks like to care, to show faithfulness for his family, providing care for his mother. So what does care look like in your family? How does each member of your family feel cared for? That might be a good question to ask at lunch today or around the dinner table tonight. Parents, ask your kids, what do I do that helps you know I care about you? Ask your spouse the same thing. And consider what it is that helps you feel cared for as well. There's quizzes you can even take online about the different love languages that you have and how you can express those as family. Find out each other's love languages and intentionally put some of those things into practice that speak their language, even if it's foreign to you, even if you don't want it, even if it's something that would never mean anything to you. Remember, it's not about keeping score. Showing up for our families is one of the greatest demonstrations that we can have for our faith in God. It's not always easy, and it's not always enjoyable, but it's always good. And for those whose family dynamic is so fractured that it's not a safe place to be, the church, the church is a place where people can invest in future families or the families of others. That is discipleship, pouring into each other, shelving our selfishness, serving in love and care. Pouring ourselves out for others and refilling ourselves with Jesus, his love, his patience, his care. And that brings us full circle back to 1 Timothy chapter 5. Now Paul's advising Timothy to not let people take advantage of the church. So he goes on and he tells how we should care for those in need. Even those without earthly families, when they're faithful to God, he says, they become families to others. So maybe this morning you're one of those widows and your faithfulness to God can be a blessing of faithfulness to families. See, faithfulness to God is shown in faithfulness to others and our God is faithful. We can grow in our faithfulness to our family. We sang about the faithfulness of the family this morning and the faithfulness of God. And we live out of that faithfulness. When we do that, We see that God blesses us. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. Therefore, know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations, to those who love him and keep his commandments. We sang about that. His favor will be upon you for a thousand generations to your family and your children and their children and their children. Living a life of faithfulness to our families has a ripple effect throughout generations. Many of you are here this morning because of the faithfulness of your family, that they shelved their selfishness, that they did some things that maybe weren't for them, but were for you. They honored their father and mother. They obeyed their parents. They followed those commandments that we read about. And God blessed them. 
He blessed their families. So how can you show up for your family this week? That's the question I want to leave you with. How can you show up for your family this week? Even in the course of this message, God might have put something on your heart. Be faithful to that. Or maybe you can sit down, maybe even at lunch, while it's still fresh in your mind, and ask each other, how can I show up for you this week? Dads, I want to encourage you, go first. Lead. Take that lead. Let your wife, kids, grandkids, whoever is in what you call family, speak into that. How can you show up for your family this week? How can you show up for those who have no family? How can you be the family of God to someone who doesn't have family? How can you show up for someone who's like family? Many of us can look at people in this room who are not related to by blood, but we're related to in Christ, who need family. How can we be faithful to them? How can you show up for your family this week? How can you demonstrate the love of Jesus? How can you shelve your selfishness? Not keeping score, but loving faithfully those within your own family, regardless of what that family looks like. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for families. We thank you for those of us, Lord, who grew up in families that, that honored you. Even they were not perfect, Lord. But we thank you for the demonstration that you gave us in the life of Jesus of what it means to live with you, but to live within a family. Lord, help us to honor our families. Help us to show faithfulness to the families you have placed us in. God, for those who, who think about that and say, there's no way I can do that. My family's so broken. It's so dysfunctional. It's not good for me to be there, Lord. Help them to find family in you, in each other, Lord. May they find that love and acceptance and care in places, Lord, that might not be within their own homes, but part of your family. God, help those of us who have families that, that are love and, and honoring and chasing after you to grow in that area, to not let things get in the way, to not let our own personal desires, our own interests get in the way of keeping our promises, Lord. God, may you bless the families of this church. Those who are located right around us and those that might be thousands of miles away. Lord, help us to be faithful. Help me to grow in faithfulness to my family. God, for those of us that we're not really sure what that even means, maybe our, our family is separated by distance. Lord, maybe our family is separated by age and we look and we say, I, I don't... I don't know how to take care of my aging parents or grandparent. Lord, show us how to show up in faithfulness for them. Lord, reveal to our hearts this morning how we can show up for the family. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.